Well, it was a weird SEC tournament, but hey, let's head to Des Moines, Iowa, shall we? You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Monday as we have officially entered into March Madness territory. The field of 68 has been set, and Arkansas is one of those teams. We're going to talk about that as well as do a little recapping into uh, the SEC tournament for Arkansas and some of the stories that came from that, as well as some uh, football news as well. But going to really, really dive into everything going on with basketball and uh, the fact that Arkansas has become an eight seed, which is just about what everybody expected. You know, I know that uh, in the SEC tournament, which we'll talk about a little bit, there was some uh, abilities or at least some chances to be able to move up into your seating, but Arkansas ends up with an eight seed in the Des Moines, Iowa regional and where they'll be facing Illinois in the very first game. Now, Illinois is a team that uh, obviously is 20 and 12 this year. They've had success. They're a team that's been, uh, I wouldn't say a powerhouse, but they've always just been a really solid team, a solid program. And uh, they actually had a lot of uh, preseason hype similar to what Arkansas did but uh, unfortunately for Arkansas and as well as them uh, it didn't go uh, uh, fully according to plan and if you look at FanDuel Arkansas is actually opening up as a three-point favorite in this game it's already moved to two and a half but still um, Illinois is a team that is uh, a fascinating one for many different reasons and the matchup and everything that goes along with it because if you think about uh, just uh, what they've done this year and looking at the the success that they had in the Big Ten you know, they they did some pretty big things. Like, for instance, uh, they were able to beat Texas this year. And that's a, that's no easy feat. Texas, as we know, is a two seed. They're a really good team. They have a good win against Texas. Uh, they were able to beat Wisconsin. Uh, they were able to beat Northwestern, which, is, of course, is a, uh, a team that has been really good. But it really was down the stretch of the season where Illinois started to fall a little bit. Does that sound familiar? Uh, at the end of the year, they lost to Penn State, Indiana, but beat Minnesota Northwestern, lost to Ohio State, did beat Michigan, but lost to Purdue and lost to Penn State. So against the uh, better quality teams down the stretch, they ended up not playing so well, even against Iowa that they ended up losing to. So both of these teams are kind of in a similar situation where they're trying to uh, obviously advance into the NCAA tournament, but it seemed like they had a full grasp on the season and some things popped up and they ended up having some, uh, some issues with that too. So, uh, but I, I like Arkansas's matchup against anybody, but I also think they could lose to anybody. So that's kind of the annoying thing about it. Illinois has uh, a team that averages close to 75 points a game. So their offense has been really good when it comes to scoring. Uh, it really only comes down to two players for the most part, though, with Terrence Shannon as well as Matthew Mayer. Uh, both those guys are averaging double digits. Uh, Terrence Shannon actually 17 points a game. So if you're talking about uh, who, who's, gonna, who's Devo Davis going to guard, there's your guy. Uh, he, he's a very gifted guard. He shoots pretty well from the free throw line. And uh, uh, Matthew Myers, of course, a forward, which we know Arkansas is going to have some guys uh, to try to be in there, too. So, I, again, say what you want about the matchup. I think the matchup is good. And here's another thing that may blow people's minds. Now, now stay with me on this. Illinois is actually worse at shooting three-pointers and free throws than Arkansas. That's, that's true. 
They shoot 68% from the free throw line, which is worse than Arkansas. And they shoot 30% from the three point line, which is worse than Arkansas. So if you're trying to find any sort of, uh, you know, matchups or maybe some comparisons or, you know, Hey, what does Arkansas struggle with? Are they really good at it? Well, there you go. Uh, I think that that's something that Arkansas can maybe exploit. Maybe they can be able to uh, have some game plans into place to where they can overcome that as well. And if they get into foul trouble, at least according to the trends and according to uh, the way that it's worked all season long, it should be a problem for, for uh, uh, Illinois and Arkansas, both when they get to the free throw line. So there, there's something there too. But again, I like where Arkansas is at. And they're in the regional that if they are able to beat Illinois, odds are they'll play Kansas in the next round. Uh, not ideal. I, I much rather would have played Houston, which I love that the SEC decided to, or you know, I think the SEC threw some money towards uh, the NCAA committee because somehow, some way, Alabama and Auburn both get to play in Birmingham. Amazing how that works. Alabama, I know why, because they're a number one overall seed. They get to choose. But Auburn, as a nine seed, gets to play in Birmingham, and they're going to go up against Houston in the second round, which Houston lost one of their best players. So amazing how that works out. It's almost like the SEC tries to take care of the in-state schools for them. That's neither here nor there. But uh, if Arkansas ends up winning, they're going to play Kansas in the second round. And if they are able to advance to the second weekend, which you know is not an easy feat because Kansas is in front of you, they will be heading to Las Vegas. How awesome would that be? A little bit better than San Francisco or Indianapolis. Nothing against those cities. But imagine if uh, Arkansas is coming off of a win over the number one seed Kansas and the next stop is Vegas, baby. Which at that point in time, they could be playing somebody like UConn, probably. Maybe maybe a St. Mary's. Uh, so, Iona, maybe they face off against Rick Pitino. I, I, I don't know. But again, they got, they got a lot of work. And I'm not even going to say that they'll for sure get to that point. We'll talk about that. But, uh, yeah, the matchups are pretty good. I have no problem with the field. The only thing I thought was interesting is that A&M got such a low seed. They were, not, they were a seven seed. A seven seed. So, they have their one seed above Arkansas. But they went 25 and nine and they won 17 SEC games this year. And they're the seven seed. This must be some sort of punishment that the committee was handing down to Buzz Williams and Texas A&M because Buzz going off on the committee last year because they didn't get in. And so they're like, OK, well, watch this. Not OK, you're going to get in, but we're not going to respect you. Here's your seven seed uh, to which they also will more than likely play if they beat Penn State. And more than likely play uh, Texas in the second round. Uh, which I'm sure that they would uh, love to have that and love to make sure that that happens because that's also uh, in Des Moines. So uh, you're going to have uh, Arkansas, A&M, Texas, uh, Kansas all up there in Des Moines this weekend. So, uh, but, you know, it's hard to really predict and, and we'll do that in the next segment as far as, um, you know, how far I think they go and, and what I think the matchups will be and all of that. But uh, to look back upon real quick, the SEC tournament, I was there in Nashville, you know, and I thought that there was a incredible moment there when they beat Auburn and they hit a game winning shot. They let a lead go. They, they, they let the lead slip by them, but they made the big shot at the end with Nick Smith and they won the game. And I thought that maybe dumbly thought, but still thought nonetheless that that would be something to add to the momentum that they had against A&M. And they were up by 13 points at halftime over Texas A&M and they lost the game. That's a, that there's nothing more frustrating than that. And that's where it's really hard to trust this team. And it has been all year long. It's hard for anybody to feel good about going into the NCAA tournament where 
you just like Arkansas has proven this season that they can play with anybody. They can compete against anybody. It's not that the other team is just completely and totally out talent, outmatched, outgunned, out talented, whatever it is. They have proven time and time again that they can play anybody and they can play their best basketball against anybody. But just like we've seen so many times this year, they falter in the second half. Whenever the other team punches back, they fall. They don't know what to do. They don't know. They don't. I don't know if it's the the leadership issue. I don't know if it's just. I think it's more honestly in what Musk says, and people say it's excuses, and that's fine. You can say whatever you want to, but I think more so than anything, it is youth. I mean, it, it's just this is something to where I think Musk tried out the whole. You know, he he put together a lot of great freshmen coming into school, and you have six of them. And I just think that having six freshmen is not something he's ever going to want to do again. There's there's just no toughness. There's no leadership. There's no veteran psyche to be able to overcome some of those tough situations. Now, it's not saying that these guys aren't talented. It's not saying that these guys aren't, uh, you know, doesn't show a lot of great capabilities of playing good basketball or anything like that. They just can't figure that part out. They don't have that tough net, that toughness where Arkansas had it last year and the year before. But what was one of the biggest differences is that they had experienced veteran guys. And it's not even just, you know, cause you're saying, well, they three of the freshmen don't play. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of the point when half your team are true freshmen or 18 year old kids. And the other half are, you know, some of them are older guys, but some of them not exactly, uh, you know, experienced leaders or anything like that. You kind of get this tug of war where you can't put it all together and get these guys to understand how to close out games. And so the youth and inexperience has really come into play every single time this year. And that's what's the unfortunate thing is like against AM, they were, I think that they are a better team than AM talent wise. They are a better team than Texas AM. They have better pieces. They have, uh, you know, I think they have as much depth. I and mean, people always talk about how many players he plays, but. I think they have uh, talented guys coming off the bench too, but they just can't close out. And so when they go into the NCAA tournament, it's hard for people to feel really confident about that fact and about the, uh, you know, going to that next level and, and clicking it on whenever they have a lead. Because here's the thing, when they play Illinois, if Arkansas has a 10-plus point lead at halftime, who's going to feel good about that? Be honest. Are you going to feel good about that? I'm not. I'm not going to feel good about it until the horn sounds and Arkansas has a victory. Like I'm not, and that's how it's going to be for the rest of the tournament. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to feel good about anything. Nope. No, 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 no. Until the final horn sounds and Arkansas has more points than the other team, I'm not going to feel good about it. So that was a frustrating weekend in uh, Nashville. And hopefully with the rest, they can overcome it, come back, have nearly a full week to get ready. And Des Moines not that far of a trip. I'm actually going to be making the trip excuse me, making a trek uh, tomorrow morning, going to be driving up there. And we'll give you some great updates as we're live from Des Moines uh, for the podcast too. Uh, and real quick, I want to address this because I know there's a lot of things to get into, but I feel like this needs to be addressed. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll wait until the other side because I want to talk more about this and, and what the incidents, the cell phone gate that happened over there in Nashville, extremely dumb. I want to talk about it, but we'll get to that here in just a second. First, I got to tell you about Bill Bar though. We know that with March Madness being here, the Built Bar March Madness bracket is here as well. And we know you have your favorite bar or puff, and now it's your time to go and make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote on some of your favorites. Uh, there's different flavors to choose from, as we all know. They've tried different flavors. They have new flavors that they come out with. 
but there's certain flavors that we all love more than anything. I'm all about anything peanut butter and anything chocolate. So that's always going to be what I'm going to be voting for as well. And when you vote for your favorite uh, built bar or puff bar, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will win a free box of built. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built bars, best puffs and bars delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try it built the best protein bar ever. Seriously. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes built bars and puffs so good? Well, for starters, they are all high in protein, low in sugar and covered in hundred percent chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. So go to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote on your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there as well. And you can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. We'll get into how far I think Arkansas can go in the NCAA tournament. But like I said, I wanted to address the uh, the cell phone gate, the Riley Hall situation that happened in uh, in the NC- in the SEC tournament, and I'll say that this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life because it became such a big deal. It became a, like a front page headline on uh, ESPN.com, and it just so many people are making such a big deal out of it. And for those of you who don't know, or, or maybe you didn't see what happened. Essentially, what went down is there was a reporter there for the Kentucky Colonel, which is the student paper, who tweeted out that, hey, there was, uh, and you know, Eric Musman had a lot of expletives and F-bombs on the court. And as he was uh, walking off the court, I was filming him, and his uh, assistant coach came over and ripped the phone out of my hands and threw it down on the ground. Essentially, what it was, was what it was about and what it was stated. And so everyone, of course, all the, the the grandstanding and the sanctimonious Big J journalists came out of the woodwork saying, this is unacceptable. This can't happen. This is terrible. Um, Arkansas and Eric Musselman should be ashamed, blah, 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 all this stuff. It's really blew up. And the only top part of the video that we saw was, and I would play it back, but I'm afraid that he would try to come after me and suing me. But the only part of the video that we saw anything of was, just must walking off the court. He wasn't cussing or anything. And then Riley Hall coming over and putting his hand out. And then the camera kind of just goes to whatever. So here's my thing. Riley Hall, I know, and he's a good dude. He's a good dude. He's one, he's one of the best types of dudes. And I know for a fact that Riley Hall did not roll up on this kid grab his phone out of his hand, and throw it down on the ground. That's not what happened. In fact, Hunter Yurchek even posted a response to this, saying, I have visited with Riley Hall, a member of our men's basketball support staff, and others who personally observed an interaction. 
Thinking that others who personally observed an interaction between Mr. Hall and a reporter following our game Friday night in the basketball tournament in the SEC. During our conversation, Mr. Hall expressed his regret that while leaving the floor, his engagement inadvertently resulted in knocking the reporter's cell phone from his hand. While based on our discussion, I do not believe there was malicious intent. I've addressed the issue with Mr. Hall, and he agrees his actions were not appropriate or reflective of our program. On behalf of Mr. Hall and our program, I want to offer an apology to the reporter active impacted by these actions. Like, that's exactly what happened. He reached out because he was trying to say, hey, don't don't film. Don't film. Put his hand out. And I believe that he accidentally reached out too far and knocked the, hand, the phone out of the kid's hand. He did not grab the phone and throw it on the ground. That's not what happened. But apparently this kid wanted to, you know, go viral and get out there in the business. So he did this and all the big J blue check journalists came out in his defense and started saying how, how terrible it is. He made a mistake. Riley Hall, he shouldn't have done that. And he shouldn't have knocked the phone out of the kid's hand. But I don't think there was anything malicious about it. I don't think there was any problem with it. But because, again, that's what it is in the social media age, they wanted to blow it up. And if you didn't, if you wanted to know exactly the amount of grandstanding that was going on, uh, the Kentucky Colonel, the student paper or whatever, which I'm giving them all, all these credits because that's probably what they want. But they put out a statement saying, Kentucky Colonel is appalled by the actions of Arkansas men's basketball program. Jack Weaver always embodies professionalism on the job, and no journalist, especially student journalists, should be subjected to violence for simply doing their job. There was no violence. There was no violence. There was no violence. But you just freak out and start blowing up this, this whole victimhood because an assistant coach didn't want you filming, and when he reached out, he accidentally knocked the phone out of your hand. That's not violence, you idiot. You don't know anything about violence. And even as a journalist, you know nothing about what violence actually looks like. At all. Do some research on that and see what other actual journalists that are actually reporting on actual important things around the world and see the type of violence that they go through. That's not violence. You coddled pieces of trash. And also... For all we know from the video that we did see, who's to say that he didn't, that Riley didn't say, hey, man, my bad, and try to help him pick it up. Now, I don't know if he did or not. Uh, we don't know. We have a two, like a five-second clip, and then just everyone wants to have Riley Hall fired. There's people that are journalists that are saying the U of A needs to suspend him or discipline him for this stuff. Stop. It was, an, it was after a very emotional and frustrating game, and he went out and accidentally knocked the phone out of the kid's hand. That's all it was. The kid's okay. The phone's okay. Everybody's okay. But I thought it was so funny to see, like, there was this Alabama grad who's like a journalist now who's like, the, the, the league should step in on this. The SEC should step in on this. But yet, if you went back and looked at his Twitter account, didn't say anything about Brandon Miller. Huh. Wonder why. Amazing. The grandstanding was just absurd. So, he said... I know Riley Hall. I know he's a good dude. Like, th it was just something that, like, got caught on video and was completely taken out of context because that's what these little journalists like to do. to try to get famous, and that's all it was. So we'll leave it at that. I had to get that off my chest, though. I had to say that. Uh, anyways, though, moving on to the NCAA tournament part of things, how far do I think Arkansas goes? Uh, it's hard for me to say that they go very far. And I hate that. Like, I hate not having that confidence. And I'm, I'm trying to tell everybody the same thing. Like, they could win. Like, they're good. Like, I would not surprise me at all if they are they go out there and they beat Illinois 
mercilessly in the first half. And if somehow they make it through Illinois, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Arkansas against Kansas went out there and played incredible against them in the first half at all. But it's not that they don't have the talent to hang with these teams. It's not that they don't have the ability to hang with these teams. It's just that they can't finish. So it's hard for me to know or hard for me to say with confidence that they're going to go far in a tournament where you're going to get everyone's best shot because it's do or die. It's survive in advance. It's That's it. And so I think, I think Arkansas wins. I think, I think they beat Illinois. I think they beat Illinois. They have rest. They have, you know, we know Muss and how great he is whenever he has um, multiple days to get ready for a team, in which case this is four days to get ready for him. And I think Arkansas wins that game. But beating Kansas, eh, probably not. Probably not. But if they're able to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament, and then their final thing is losing to Kansas. Is it going to be the season that we all hope for? No. Is it going to be a season that you could call success? You know, maybe. But just knowing that the situation you're in right now and the team you are, because this is the team Arkansas is. This is who they are. I think going one and done in the NCAA tournament isn't exactly the worst thing in the world. In fact, it'll just be a year where, hey, it, it happens. But just also think about this, too. Before Musk got here, how many times was it just, you know, hoping to get to the NCAA tournament? And when you do, just hoping you win a game. And, you know, now we're kind of looking at it as if you win a game and then lose the next one into the number one seed, it's like not a failure, but it's like, what a bad year. It wasn't fun. But that is, again, shows you the the expectation and everything that's come along with uh, with Arkansas and what they've done and under Musk. So uh, I, I – I think that they'll, I think they'll do I think they'll beat Illinois. And if they beat Kansas, they get to the sweet 16, no matter what happens after that, it's a success. If they make it to the second weekend this year, it's a success, no matter what. Um, because we've seen them beat number one seeds before. And with Houston, Alabama, Purdue, and Kansas, I feel like Arkansas would have had a better matchup against Houston or Kansas, uh, or Houston or Purdue rather than Kansas and Alabama. But hey. Crazier things have happened, right? Kansas lost in the in the Big 12 title game to Texas. So it's not like they're just unbeatable. It's not like they're just uh, a team that they are the defending champs, and we know how tough it is to repeat as defending champs. So who knows? Maybe that game against Arkansas, they end up losing. And just imagine the madness that'll happen, like where everyone's feeling right now. Oh, we got to do this. This sucks. We're not as good. Uh, it's not as fun as what it used to be. And then the second that it's like they pulled off the upset against Kansas to go to the Sweet 16. Oh, my gosh. We are back, baby. We can go to the Final Four. It's all going to work out. I mean, I, I'm hoping that's true. I'm hoping that happens. I'm hoping that actually uh, puts goes put together. But uh, hopefully it's a good time in Des Moines. I just want to spend a long time in Des Moines. That's all I really want. Uh, we'll get to the final segment and talk a little football here in just a segment. First, the midway point of the NBA season, folks, has arrived. And we know that it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook especially with the tournament happening as well because all you new customers that have yet to use FanDuel you get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win just download the FanDuel sports app today it's safe secure and super easy to use and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three string does not matter you can bet on it with FanDuel also it lets you combine your best bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorback podcast. You know, spring practice is going on, and there hasn't been really significant uh, news or anything going on there just yet, but we will definitely uh, keep you updated on it. But just everyone's in basketball mode right now, which I understand. I get it. I'm kind of the same way, too. But I, I thought that this was something that needed to be mentioned when you're thinking about Arkansas and, and recruiting. And um, I talked about when Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson and all those guys were brought on in the defensive staff that they needed to be big-time recruiters, and that's what Sam Pittman ended up doing and hiring these guys that are looked at as big-time recruiters. I felt like that was the perfect hire for it as long as they get the job done and as long as they do recruit as a high, at a high level. Um, but we had to see the results coming from it as well. Well, we haven't seen all the direct results as far as uh, some of the recruiting and in, in, from the high school ranks. Now, they've gotten some pretty big transfers. It's great. Like it, it gives you – it's not saying they've done a bad job or anything, but until they really get the ball moving – on the uh, upcoming recruiting class, then it's really tough to know exactly what level they're at. Well, they haven't signed anybody. I mean, I've got any big-time commitments, but just look at this. This comes from Danny West of Hawk Sports. Danny West tweets out, never seen Arkansas attract this much defensive talent for recruiting visits. It says, big difference between March visits and December signatures, but an impressive start by the new crew. So what does that mean? Think about this. After five-star defensive lineman David Stone visited visits on March 31st, Arkansas will be able to say it has hosted three of the top four players in the nation, according to Top 247. All three are defensive targets. Defensive back K.J. Bolden, who is the number two player. Williams Nawarni, who's the number three player, who's a D-lineman. And then D-lineman David Stone, who's the number four player. Now, those players haven't committed. Those players haven't signed. They may not go with Arkansas. They may not sign with Arkansas. None of that stuff may actually happen. But when you're getting them on visits, when you're getting them to come to campus, you don't understand how big of a deal that is. Like, that's big time. That's a big step where you have not only sitting here and throwing them an offer, or not only are you calling them up and saying, hey, how you doing? You know, what are you thinking? You have convinced them, or at least you've been able to provide some sort of incentive for them to say, I'm going to go out of my way. I am going to take this weekend off and I'm going to come to Fayetteville, Arkansas to check out the campus because whatever they're selling to me, I am interested enough to see what it's all about by actually going there and physically meeting with them in Fayetteville. That is a massive step. That is a huge deal. Now, again, they have to close the deal. They have to be able to get these players on there. But just the fact that they're able to get the interest of big-time players like that shows exactly what this defensive staff is all about when it comes to recruiting. And if they can get the ball rolling, and even if they just sign one of those guys, imagine if they signed one of the top four players in the country at a defensive position, and they're not from the state of Arkansas, how many pants will explode for people just being like, what in the, what, Arkansas, are you kidding me? Like, when was the last time Arkansas had a top 10 signee on defense, or top 10 signee at all? Like, I mean, Mitch Mustang, <laughs> something like that? Uh, throw you know, it was, was maybe uh, you know, someone like you know, throwing out like names and uh, five star players. I guess you may even see Ryan, Ryan Mallett eventually came to Arkansas, or Drew Sanders eventually came to Arkansas. But I'm talking about like legitimate wow, 
these could be big time signees if they get to that point. So kudos to the defensive staff getting it done. Hopefully it continues to go. Hopefully they continue to get these visits and hopefully they get some of these guys to sign. But great job so far in recruiting for Razorback football, especially on the defensive side of the ball as well. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see.